0: Hi and welcome to this week's Property Matters, a show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. We're on Twitter at iProperty Radio or email at helloipropertyradio.com. Your hosts host, uh, host this evening are myself, Brian Fox, and Carol Tallon.
1: Okay, good evening. Um, so just a quick look at some of the stories this week. First of all... Um, AgriLand, one of the leading publications aimed at Ireland's farming community, reported that there will be no more one-off housing in very rural settings. So these new rules come on foot of the Project Ireland 2040, the National Planning Framework, and it's to encourage cluster living around existing towns and villages. It is reported that over the next 12 to 18 months, these rules will actually be inserted into the county development plans. And as a direct result, members of landowners family will no longer be granted planning permission to build a house on family land. So I'm sure we can expect some pushback from the farming community on that. In relation to the Help to Buy scheme, the, um, the Independent Today reports that um, an extension will be needed in order to hit housing goals. In fact, since 2017, the scheme has been helping first-time buyers with de- with the deposit required to purchase or build a new home by providing a tax refund. And it's estimated that the scheme contributes to around 80% of first-time buyer property purchases. Um, also, it's been a bumper week for new housing development announcements with Paddy McKillen Jr.'s Oakmount obtaining planning for 291 new homes in South Dublin. Cairn, Ardstone and Glenve are planning 500 houses and apartments in Nace and plans have been lodged for a further 920 new homes across three developments in Hoth, Fingal and Palmerstown. Now interestingly, this comes hot on the heels of Goodbody's quarterly Irish economy health check, which confirms that housing sales have lagged behind supply recently, leading to an increase in the unsold stock of homes.
0: Very good, Carol. Well, as Many people are aware at the moment um, that parliamentary, parliamentary um, season is, o- is finishing, the spring season is over. So from the point of view of parliamentary news, there's very little going on at the moment. So because of the fact that there is a situation now has arisen in New York, and I live there, I think it might be a, ch- a chance to sort of chat about uh, something that's very, very controversial over there. So, um, just to give listeners and, your, and everybody a sort of a background to this, there was a time in America when the power balance between the landlord and the tenant was very much in the landlord's favour. For example, when you rented an apartment, the landlord knew whether the heat would come on in the winter, but you didn't. The landlord knew a fair rent in the, in the neighbourhood, but you didn't. The landlord knew your credit history, but you didn't know if he was a slumlord. So, to try and address this imbalance, rent control was introduced in 1950. And New York adapted the idea Full Square and that every rental apartment was subject to it. However, down the years, rent control has been declining. Despite 45% of rental units still being rent regulated, hundreds of thousands have lost that status in the last 40 years. The reason, and not to put a fine point on it, the tenant movement has been beaten by the landlord lobby in that every time the rental laws are reviewed, new loopholes are introduced, allowing some units to leave the stabilisation system. Last week, there was a dramatic turn of events when the New York State Assembly announced a landmark agreement to strengthen the city's rent laws. Ultimately, the change would abolish rules that allow um, that, uh, landlords and uh, build- building owners deregulate apartments, closing a series of loopholes. As you expect, the real estate industry is not at all happy and feels that the new measures will have a serious effect on housing in New York City. It should be borne in mind that up to now the rent control status was exclusive to New York, but the new legislation will now have a statewide coverage or status, whatever way you're looking at. So really, I suppose with their, with their own legislation too, with the rental... Um the Rental I always forget the Rental Tenancies Board
1: the RTB here the RTB it's
0: it's, it kind of has the same sort of resonance here I think doesn't it
1: Well, you know actually we were just speaking off air and rent control is one of those things that's thrown around a lot in media interviews and the reality is that I don't I I don't think that even our rent pressure zones were not getting to the same place as rent control in the US so they're not comparable Um, you know they've got similar Uh, names but but really they're not comparable Um, the, the one thing that's quite relevant about this is we can see that there's a strengthening of tenants' rights, and that's absolutely happening here in Ireland. In fact, I would say to d- the detriment of many of many estate agents. And I'm delighted today that we're joined by Lorraine Mulligan of Team Remax. Uh,
2: Team, Carly, yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. Thanks, lovely to be here with you, Carl and Brian, and thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, um, oh, it's Lorraine Mulligan, Team Ray Mulligan, Remax Results. And I own the franchise for Selbridge and for Lucan. But we sell and rent loads of houses from Lucan right up as far as Clonard and County Meath, really up that M4 corridor. See, the word results there is what sticks out, isn't it? Thank you, Carl, yeah. Results, Yeah. Results, I like
1: it. Because yeah. that's what we get. So, look, talk to us. You're obviously involved. Um, are, are you involved actually in rentals as well as sales?
2: Yeah, we do have a rental and property management company as well. And we obviously sell a lot of residential homes too. So we're kind of, our finger is in both pies.
1: Okay, so wh- what do you make of this? You know, when we're talking about the rental crisis, now obviously you're working kind of between kind of Luke and up to Selbridge. Yeah. Um, What's the rental market like? And is it fair for us to say that a very pro-tenant approach has been taken?
2: Yeah, basically what's after happening is the laws now all side with the tenant Mm. and the landlord now has very little rights and very little say. And so what's happening is a lot of these landlords now, they feel the market is at the top they have made money in their investment properties and they're starting to offload them mm. and therefore we have a lot of lovely people who cannot rent property and it's causing an awful gridlock in the property market because if somebody is trying to buy a property and if they're not ready to go they can't purchase a property but then these people are saying right, if I sell my home where am I going to go because I know I have to sell my house to buy a house but where am I going to go in the interim? So it's really gridlock and a lot of investors are offloading their property and we need Mm. to get the investors back buying property again without it being detrimental to the first-time buyer.
1: Yeah, and actually it's an interesting one. It's something we've covered here before that um, there are very few jurisdictions where you're looking at property markets where you have um, institutional investors, first-time buyers, cash buyers and essentially mom-and-pop investors and local authorities and approved housing bodies all competing for the same stock of property. That just doesn't happen in other markets because there is stock aimed at first-time buyers and then there's stock aimed at investors and then there's stock aimed at institutional investors. So it's all market in that way. Yeah, absolutely. But we actually have the same, the same, uh, or we have this wide range of buyers all competing for the same tiny pool of property.
2: Yeah, and it's very, very wrong. Like, it's like there's a big Mm. stewing pot with everybody, all the ingredients thrown into the mix.
0: So what do you think could be done to try and solve that? that quandary that that there is here at the moment.
2: I think just investors need to start coming back into the marketplace, but at the same time, I don't want to see the first-time buyers pushed out. Mm-hmm. So whatever way that can happen, I'm not too sure, but it needs to be done. Yeah, um, Because it, like, people used to buy property as part of a pension fund. That's all stopping now. It's all drying up, and there's just less and less rental accommodation coming to the marketplace. And it's very sad because as soon as we put something on the market, mm. we have to actually take it off um, offline very, very quickly because our phones in our offices actually get jammed. And then we have people coming in, nearly crying, looking for a property. Um, and there's people on social welfare. There's professional people. There's people on HAP. And everybody deserves a home, you know, no matter well, what. Tell state me though, do there. you think does it need Absolutely. more legislation?
0: Because like, there's four, or five pages from the New York Times in relation to that one issue, and in yeah. relation to the whole political background to that that story in itself. Yeah. Rent right control, as we just discussed. So, do you think does need, legislation needed for? To, to solve that situation, oh, absolutely, what are you glad Brian. To yeah,
2: absolutely. Something needs to be done, it needs to be done pretty quickly. And it's not landlords, it's not worth their while having investment property you now because they have to pay so much of their taxable income mm-hmm, yeah. in rent, and all this legislation now siding with the, the tenants. You know, before it was, you know, especially with British rule, it was all about, you know, the landlords, the tenants yeah. had no say, which is not right. Yeah. But now it's gone the other way where tenants have all, like a lot of the say. So if a landlord engages somebody and they put, in, they put them into a property and they're the wrong tenant it can be incredibly difficult to get them out um, yeah. and they'll be there for years like and it's actually very wrong
1: there's something there is something very wrong in that in fact again one of the things that myself and Brian were discussing off air earlier is that um, there are very few other countries where a tenant could overhold on a property for up to three years yeah. before they're actually yeah. before they're actually moved out and part of the issue is that this is civil and not criminal yes, um, yes. so so Uh, yes I think that legislation has a purpose but I think there has been a lot of legislation um, that has actually made being a landlord in Ireland very cumbersome and there's confusion around that as well I don't think we've got great clarity about it and in fact one of the things that I I genuinely believe will be part of the solution is the emerging bill to rent sector and yet it's vilified by a lot of housing commentators I mean actually bill to rent is there much of that happening from Luke and out towards Selbridge. Not we haven't come across love it
2: now, Caroline. Car- so no. I,
1: I presume from um, uh, from an investor standpoint, it would actually
2: be a very positive thing. It'd be a very positive thing, but I tell you what's happening as well. With investors, like I have a lot of really good inve- people of investment properties, and they actually don't want to sell their investment properties. But what's after happening, they might have had a very good tenant mm-hmm. that's been in their property for years, and out of kindness, mm-hmm. they didn't want to screw them over and charge them too much rent. Mm-hmm. But now they're in a position where they can't increase the rent at all. Where you know before they might have a two-bed Apartment that they would have maybe let the tenant have it for six fifty, seven fifty, when they should actually be getting about thirteen fifty now for the same apartment. So a lot of these landlords are coming saying, "Look, Lorraine, I don't really want to sell, but I have to. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they can't legally increase the rent. And some tenants think then if they pull out a bathroom or replace a floor or anything like that, that they can increase the rent. They can't. They have to make substantial renovations. And if they get caught increasing the rent, yeah, mm-hmm. their the penalties are huge for them. Like it's very very serious. But
1: isn't it fair to say that that was a I won't say a loophole but it was certainly a, a vague term in the original legislation um around the rent pressure zones when this not increasing the rent without um substantial or not getting a tenant out without substantial works because actually what was What's what seems substantial, substantial you're on, yeah, yeah now that I know that has been clarified in recent months and that yeah. that's helped the situation but I don't think that landlords can be blamed for depending on depending on Law that was essentially vague I mean if we go back to the basis of contract law you know there's always an interpretation that where there's any vagueness or ambiguity it's always found in favour of the party that didn't draft it yes. so if we apply the same contract law to legislation then any vagueness should be found in favour of the people that didn't draft it and in this case that would be the landlord so I don't think that we can hold them responsible for that but also I don't think we can blame them for looking for a uh, uh, way out of unprofitable tenancies
2: Exactly and this is the way life works it has to work for both sides mm-hmm. it's not working for, for the tenants because mm-hmm. the rent they're paying is just crazy yeah. like you can buy a house now for half what you'd pay uh, if you rent a three-bed semi in the likes of Selbridge or Lucan, it's 1750, 2000 euro maybe a month. You can buy a lovely three-bed semi for half the mortgage repayments. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. The landlords aren't winning. The tenants aren't winning. It's a no-win situation for anyone. Yeah. Well,
0: tell me you I know you've been in business for quite some time, and in other areas as well. Yes, Brian, A little bit of homework. Um, oh. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm just wondering, in the context of being, in, you've been 11 consecutive years now in, in this business in, in the 19? Uh, 19. With, isn't no, 19. It's, oh, 19 yeah. yeah, it's okay. Oh, in fact,
2: for, for my handwriting, Brian, you're grand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, for
1: 11, uh, for 11 consecutive years, you were the top, top selling, top selling Irish,
2: yeah. Remax agent. Yeah, in the country and in Europe as well. But I work with a great bunch of people. I have customers that are just. Just wonderful people, the council refers to business. Um, so, yeah, I'm in business 19 years. I've
0: but s- but my, 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 my question really was, though, yeah. that you know, in terms of the business you're now in, is it worth it, do you think, in comparison to other businesses that you have been involved in?
2: Well, I've only, no. I've only ever been involved in, in auctioneering. Right, OK. If for 19, yeah. 19 years. Right. I've See, always been involved in property.
1: I, I. You know, I I think just in your last comment when you were talking about why the legislation doesn't work, I think that's probably very telling. You used the term that it wasn't, uh, it, it was a no-win and it wasn't a win-win. And I know from having heard commentary that you've given before yeah. that you're you're very strong on a win-win negotiating
2: position. Listen, there has to be flesh and the bones for life to work. And yeah. that's, you know, that's in every transaction, you know, in a relationship transaction, a business transaction, there has to be a degree of fairness. And you have landlord suffering and you have tenants suffering and you have the government just do nothing about it. And something has to be done.
1: So this, look, I love the concept of a win-win when it comes to negotiations because actually what people don't realise is that a property transaction um, it doesn't happen if one party physically can't do it or feels forced uh, in terms of maybe a property isn't something that negotiating tricks work. And it's something that it's lingo that I really detest uh, around estate agencies here because most professional estate agents understand that the buyer today is their likely customer in 7 or 10 or 15 years as a seller. So I think the concept of win-win is a massively important one in in property negotiations. And I think that you embody that very well. But um, look, I I have to ask, because you have an all-female team, which is quite unusual, Yes. does part of that, does this looking for a win-win solution in every case does this come from having an all-female team? That's an incredibly sexist question to ask, is it?
2: Well, no. First of all, I have to tell you, right, I have massive respect for gentlemen. I'm not mm. like a um um, burn your back, kind of you know I have great respect for ladies and gentlemen and there's yeah. good and bad in men and women right but any time that a job comes up a vacancy comes up in my my company women always tend to apply for it it's not that I don't want any gentlemen in the business because that's not the case because they mm. have a huge amount to contribute as well I suppose the business we get results we're very firm we're very strong but we do a compassion and uh, we're big into customer service and just looking after people because people buying a property, you're not buying a pair of shoes, you're buying a home. It's all about the feeling, and it's just so important but to get male, it right. It's a male
0: dominated business, though, isn't it? Or have I got that wrong? Is it now, still? Brian, nope.
2: Well, do you know what? You, um, you're right. I remember when I joined 19 years ago, um, I had. Um, a couple of people, like gentlemen, ringing me saying, "Look, what the hell are you doing?" Um, I was like sending out marketing material. Uh, women should be auction. I swear to God, like there was you very had people few people actually tell you twenty yeah, less than yeah, 20, 20, twenty years ago. you yeah, there was very few female auctioneers out there, you know. Yeah. Um, and but the, the gentleman owns Remax uh, all over the world. He did analysis and he found, with no no offence to a gentleman, but he found the top producing auctioneers within his company who were getting the greatest results were women. He found the men were brilliant at managing the offices but managing, the offices, managing the offices but that the women were great at getting out and getting the results. And, and is getting that in
0: Ireland or right across the world? No, right across
2: the world. He did a, a massive um, study on it. Mm. And uh, so he would have massive respect and appreciation for both sexes. And why do you
0: think that is then? Why do you think women I, are more successful in the transaction?
2: Um I think Brian, to what you're right, I think women buy houses I, I find with, with gentlemen I find you know if if the wife is happy they tend to be happy in general mm. um, you know it, it's harder to sell to a lady than it is to a gentleman but I think as a woman you kind of understand a woman more and um, you know what they really want mm. um, and as my si- my my son says happy, happy wife is a happy life yeah. so I find in general the men are happy you know if the woman is happy the men is in, in general kind of goes the flow.
1: Now, uh, do you know, I, I have to ask you because very recently I met a husband and wife team of um, landscapers. Right. And they said to me that their, uh, their buyers yeah. are 80% male. And that stunned me because I know in property, having, having worked as a buyer's agent for almost a decade nationwide, right. I wow. know that um, women do lead do lead the decision-making process. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting that they, they lead the shortlisting selection.
2: Yeah. Um, Carl, so you were bang on because we got our our garden landscape by Landart big shout out there for yeah. Landart absolutely brilliant and Aaron did the investigation and everything he came back with a list of names ultimately we made the decision together but I said Aaron, you go I love you I trust you you do it and uh, yeah so he he's he awesome we sat down together we discussed it together and said which one do you would you think is the best sweetheart and he said this, this so company. you had the final say yeah well it was yeah yeah, but he kind of bought all the information together. We would never do. W- yeah. you know, we'd always work together as a team. You know. Yeah, and see, th- 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 so, so I it was strikes so me surprised. the woman is a
0: tougher sell. Is that, is that how you put it? Is that how you'd yeah, it?
2: Just, I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's not the women are difficult, but they just no, I didn't it means an, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think they're looking for more. You
0: know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Very
0: well, it's all down psychology, isn't it? It really? is not yeah. it in, in that in that sort of scenario of a sale, with yeah. with the man and the woman are. Yeah with with people
2: yeah absolutely and the majority of people are wonderful like, it's all about you know listening to them and giving them what they want and just being straight with them direct with them and helping them yeah. achieve what it is they're trying to achieve you know you know yeah. isn't it
1: amazing listening as opposed to selling to them oh yeah yeah. I, I think that's a vital thing. Yeah. Lorraine I can't let you go without you giving um, a word of advice to people maybe who are thinking of selling and they're not quite sure because as you rightly identified earlier on there is commentary there and there's certainly a thinking there that we've passed the top of the market yeah. so have you any final bit of advice for thinking, yeah. people who might be thinking of yeah, selling? I'd
2: say to anybody selling it's still a very good time to sell, the market is still very buoyant and um, once you price your property correctly and stage it correctly and give it to a strong agent with a very strong marketing plan, you will sell. The more expensive the house, the days of market are longer, but I would urge you to seek a professional person, as, as a successful or, uh, professional auctioneer, to value your home correctly. Because we're dealing with a very educated buyer mm. and you've got to price your house right in order to generate footfall. Um, so, you know, go to your best a- agent in your locality and maybe get two or three different opinions. I think the agent that you engage Make, can really make a huge difference the money you end up getting for the sale of your house
1: Okay, great words That was Lorraine Mulligan owner of Remax Results in Selbridge and Lucan Lorraine, thank you so much for joining us
2: Carl Bryant. Everything's
0: Fine our 93.9 Dublin South FM Dublin South FM is the station and property managers of the programme We're here with myself, Brian Fox and Carol Tallon On Twitter it's iPropertyRadio Or an email is hello at iPropertyRadio.com And now in the studio we have Maria Fenlon of Maria Fenlon Interior Architecture and Design Member of the Institute of Designers of Ireland you're a multi-award-winning international design team. Are you have a multi-award-winning <laughs> design
3: team? Yes. Welcome. Welcome, nice to Thank see you. Thank you so much, Brian. Now, Lovely to meet you. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity.
0: We're delighted you're with us. The one thing that I love to know about interior designers is what when they go into a premises. What are you looking for? Is it is it is are you given a brief by by the person that hires you, or do you see do you want do you go and try and see stuff yourself before you talk to the talk to the person that's hired you.
3: Well generally clients come to you with basically a problem. Mm. A problem. Maybe the space isn't quite working for them. It isn't meeting their needs in terms of storage, in terms of lifestyle etc. So it's usually a problem base and Obviously I speak to the client a little before I call to the property and then of course it's so important to call to the space, to look at it from an architectural point of view, to look at the property from a location point of view and to meet the clients and to look at what they value, what, what pieces are in the house that have maybe a sentimental value for them mm-hmm. and then obviously from that step it's all about really analysing the space that's available to them mm. and really maximising the use of the space.
0: Can okay, you get agreement on that oh, factor? Uh,
3: well you do but it's a long process, uh-huh, Okay, <laughs> it takes time, mm. um, it's very important to understand the client their needs mm-hmm. the style that they like which can be very unique to lots of, you know the the particular client and um, so to really listen and to talk about the project about their aims for the project their objectives possibly maybe their budget that they've set aside for the project and once all that information is gathered we like to try to um, we put that together, and then we basically present solutions to their design needs. Mm. Yeah,
1: I think it's interesting to come at it from a place where people are calling you when, when they have a problem. It's not. It's just not something I had thought about. Right? I, you know, I always think that interior design is something that there are trends, and that you know, certainly I see that you know from my own friends and and family there seems to be a case that when you move into your new home whatever is being done then there's usually about 12 years before the kitchen and the bathroom oh yeah, and the right. the kids rooms and and things like that change over time so I suppose it is a problem really adjusting to the changing needs of not just a family, but an individual.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be sexist about this, but there's an interesting <laughs> there's an interesting one here in that. Um, just taking, for instance, the example that Carol has given you, that you have had a home for 12, 13, 14 years and um, you want to have a look at changes. Without being sexist about it, we had Lorraine in here and she was telling us that um, she finds it easier to finish a deal, close a deal with the woman as opposed to the man. Are there any conflicts in a, in, a, in a relationship like that when you're doing adjustments to a house like that?
3: Well, actually, it's very interesting that you should say that because it's always a challenge. And for me, actually, when I start a project, I always meet the, the, the couple, yeah. the, the husband and the wife, because both can have very different mm. ideas about sure. the project. So it's actually very important for me to listen to both their points of views and put them together then in the solution that we offer but definitely the views can be very different and i'm working i'm thinking of a particular project that i'm working on at the moment and they have absolutely completely different tastes is that, despite They're being an married amazing couple it, yeah. but he is really technical it's about mm. how things work how things close obviously technology he's so interested in that and she's got a, a much different view of you know storage is so important to her personal things family sentimental collections of photographs. And they're really coming at the project yeah. from two yeah, different places. Yeah, yeah. And but that's the fun part of it. Because, yeah. just, because you're, you're like the then. artist,
0: though, aren't you? Do you exactly. say a portrait? And yeah, then the person amazing. comes in and sees the portrait uh, and yeah. you know,
3: yeah, it's, it's a very personal thing. Exactly. So it's to bring it together. And I do that usually by really trying to understand the style that they're trying to achieve. And I try to identify the differences and I see them very early on and acknowledge them. And then we try to kind of bring it together to find the solutions. And we do that, you asked, is it a long process? It's a very, very long Jesus. labored process. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because mm. every time you kind of take one step forward, you're mm. learning more about the people that you're working with. Yeah. Maria, are they, they learning more about personal. themselves? Are they Actually, lear- they are, because they really are, yeah. and it makes it more meaningful. And really, with what I do, when you spoke about trends as well a moment ago, And that sort of irritates me a little bit because I like to, and I really do, I try to to work so that I'm not really observing. I'm certainly very aware of trends, but I come from an art background. I studied fine art, I did sculpture, And I'm very interested. I see things in a three dimensional way. And I went on to do teaching, actually, and then went to interior architecture. So for me, it's about the space and how best to maximise the space. And there are trends with colours, you know, you can see in the magazines at the moment, um, you know, that strong colours are very, very popular. And I recently just finished a project with an amazing couple from Navan, actually in County Meath, a fantastic couple, but they brought me to their own house and it was painted in dark blues, all the popular colors of the moment. And they stood me in the space and said, this is not how we want to live. So for me, it's about creating spaces that have a timeless feel that they will love that is about the space about Mm -hmm. maximizing the space maybe the view from the space the landscape outside and how that becomes part of the space so it's about creating a timeless design and that's really important and i got some fantastic news we did a beautiful project in clonigal actually in county carlo it's on my website if anybody would like to have a look and that project was finished 12 years ago and for the last couple of years we've gotten calls to have it featured on home of the year right, very good. and they have no idea that that project is actually you know that that You know, it dates from that far back, and will it be featured? Yes. Oh, congratulations! That's fantastic. Well, we're very close. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and it's just an amazing property. It was a mill house. It was bought. Actually, Michelle Pfeiffer, a little bit of scandal, has come to visit this house. Mm. Very good. But what is incredible about the house for me is the landscape around the house. Mm. It's in Clonycally is particularly beautiful. It's so beautiful! Yeah. It's so picturesque, and it's very mountainous. It's the beside hills. the river mm. yeah. Slaney, mm-hmm. and so we opened the house to the river. So it's a very traditional, rustic building, and the concept for the interior space was to create a very minimalist, modern interior to contrast with the rustic elements. So it's not about the trend. It wasn't about the colours. It was about the Pers- architectural, yeah. personality-style yeah. character of the building. And, and, tell and me, that speak- is, uh, you know... Speaking
0: of personality, do you find there's any difference? I know you, 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 you do some work in Brussels as well. Do you yeah. find any difference in the thinking, the artistic thinking, shall we say, or, or, uh, of space by an Irish person in comparison to someone in Belgium
3: yes I would really I think yeah it's really interesting I have a very very good friend in Brussels and I have so much time for her. she's a little bit like myself has a huge interest in the arts that is my background we met in that way but she's hugely interested in design and there. I'm a big fan of there's an architect, Vincent Van Dyson. I don't know if you know him. He's um, an architect from Antwerp and he's really interesting. He just did Kanye West's house, actually, so he's incredible. But it's all about materials. It's about, you know, subdued colours, harmonious Mm, colours, contrasts of materials, you know, combinations of materials. It's very beautiful, very subdued, very calm. But that same lady, actually funny, I invited her over to um Dunleary and she came and stayed with us and we did a bit of travelling around and she couldn't get over <laughs> colour here. Colours on the houses. We passed a house and she said, oh, my God, it's pink. The like, <laughs> next oh was right, purple. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're much calmer, quieter, huh. you know, more subdued, um, definitely in their choice of colour and material. But actually, they're fantastically skilled and interested in craftsmanship and detail. It's very, very, very precise. But their homes are very different. And uh, Brussels is very unusual because it's very different to Ireland where you have a housing estate. You would never see that in Belgium. Each house is individual and different and it's it's a huge interest actually well, back for people.
0: To space again, isn't it, Carol? Yeah. That's what we were talking about last week again, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And actually,
1: one of the things I think is very interesting there, Maria, you were talking about UC in 3D. I do. How do you translate your visions oh. to clients then
3: okay it, well it's a very a very detailed process obviously we measure spaces first and foremost we work with a surveyor who will go out and measure everything and then we work in 2d obviously 2d drawing just to analyze the space locations of rooms in relation to maybe the aspect which is extremely important Um, And then from there, we build up 3D elevations Um, of all spaces. We build up 3D models in SketchUp. And I have a guy who works with me on the team. He's absolutely amazing. And we do everything now in 3D Max. So we actually can show you visuals of the finished product you know, in the Fabulous. Process and and <coughs> it's fantastic.
1: What's the next step to that? I mean, can you see yourself you know, maybe using immersive technologies like virtual or augmented reality to showcase so people can really experience their home before it's transformed?
3: Yes, I think that would be interesting. I'd certainly like to find out more. I'm always very open to new technologies. And anything that helps people realise a decision without spending money, mm-hmm. I feel good about because then they're really committed and they really really know that it's going to work but there's also learning for us in the process when I see it at the project in 3d max I see potential maybe to develop areas or Mm. open spaces or introduce lights so that's what I love I love learning through the process as well
1: yeah I, I I would imagine so because I I know that when clients are coming to you to give instructions I would imagine that they're they're giving instructions based on what they feel can be done with the space. Yes. So, for example, I'm, I'm sure you meet people who say, look, the house is just too small for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they automatically jump to we must extend it. We must go into the attic. We must build out into the garden. Yeah. But do you take those instructions or do you strip it back completely and say, no, let's look at the structure of the house? I think
3: it depends on the space. If they have the space to expend, extend I mean, obviously, that's great. That's Uh a real opportunity. If they don't, uh, we won actually um, fit out residential project of the year in 2017 for A project in done actually, um, and it was the remodel of the interior of a house. And that was really exciting for us just to see the potential of the space and how best the space could be used. What type of house was it? Like what era built? Now, it was built actually 2008. It was a three storey over basement, so it's not a period house. Right. But the basement in particular was very, very dark and pokey. Um, They had sort of a cinema space in one area, a kitchen living space to the back. So we just completely opened the space and uh, you're probably visualizing it there. Three stories over basement. It's a tall, narrow home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first floor, there were challenges with that. Uh, We opened up areas with glazing. And so there's a lot of just ideas, just to really make sure that every inch of space is used. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like so often, people jump to put the extension on. Mm. Uh, we did another very nice project in um, in nice. and you know, we simply just re looked at the plan, looked at the spaces.
0: But you have your vision then as well. Obviously, well, when y- you,
3: you do. It develops. develops. Yeah, you can sort of yeah, see what yeah. you do is you look at. The potential the, the potential, focal point yeah, yeah, what okay. is interesting what would you i must like have great
0: imagination then you always have
3: to have a very i love i like i love a focal point actually mm. uh, i had a fantastic art teacher in school i never forget okay, her yeah. and i remember a lot of things that she said but she always drew us when you look at a painting the artist is directing you to something of interest in the painting and when i walk into a room I kind of look, what is it? Is it the height of the ceiling? Is it the direction? Is it a view through the window? Is it the fireplace? Is it the floor? Is it the shape of the room? What is the focal point? So what you do is you build on... The most interesting focus point, and me, that's what that is wh- where i come from w- what's your preference
0: is it for domestic or do you do any corporate work as you should i ask did
3: me? actually uh, i've been living in brussels for i lived in brussels with hmm. my family for eight years and i'm just back in ireland back in dublin for the past two years but uh, i there much I'm of a working in this sorry, area sorry for 17 talking. years yeah. but before yeah. i left i did a lot of commercial work i did a lot of um display for furniture shops for shows. And I love that because, again, I suppose it's going back to my sculpture background, just kind of moving and juxtaposing and trying to create interest. And again, a focal point in the display. And I did a lot of furniture shops. But when I was in Brussels, I decided I would live an expat life and put my feet up. But unfortunately, that didn't last very long and I didn't want it to either. I was really missing work.
0: So I was contacted
3: by some clients in Ireland to come back and do projects. So I've Mm. commuted over and back and very lucky. I've worked with the same people for
0: you could see the the, the diff- sorry to see the difference too between Dublin and Brussels as well oh, in terms of the well, european that's aspect Oh, so you know?
3: fantastic yeah. like really brussels is the center of europe in terms oh. of trade shows in terms of just being out there to see what's out there antwerp is such a beautiful city the materials yeah. design inspiration is everywhere so it was ama- amazing
1: Oh, That's great to hear. And then so for people, maybe, you know, again, I can't let you leave the studio without some words of advice for people who are sitting in their home listening and looking around as we speak at all the things that they would change if they could. Um, and again, this extra space seems to be the big thing. So, you know, are there ways to create space or even the illusion of space in a home if you don't have so the budget to ways. extend?
3: So many ways um, just creating kind of a seamless flow between spaces. Um, explain what that is. How do you achieve that? I, I'm, I actually just went to visit a new project recently and a lady had spent so much time with each individual room, but no connection. And they're like all separate spaces. If you want to immediately create space, you link a colour in some way. The colours must link mm. so that when you stand in one space and look to another, that it's connected that creates a link and the feeling of space.
1: So is that this trend that we see of flooring as you come in the front
3: door that runs right through to the the open plan kitchen? It could be colour. It could be a connection with shape, Mm -hmm. you know, but from one space, you consider what you see in each direction and you try, you know, mirrors can be a great way also of connecting. But colour, floors, materials, furniture, shape. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Very good. So Maria, thank you so much. So yeah. I, I can I take it that the key advice for people is to really look at their home, look at the, the bones of the, the house, space you stru- the structure of
3: the home. Analyse the space you have. Think about working within your existing footprint. It's more environmentally beneficial. It requires fewer materials resulting in less waste and requiring less energy is r- to heat and cool the building. It's really worthwhile giving it some thought. Very good
1: and if they need some design inspiration they can go to your Very website. Very happy
3: to help. <laughs> What's Thank your website you? Maria? Our website is www.mariafenlon.com okay, Best Mar- of luck to everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was Maria Fenlon of Maria Fenlon Interior Architecture and a design member of the Institute of Designers of Ireland. Maria Thank you so much.
0: Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. And Property Matters is the program with myself, Brian Fox, and Carol Talent on Twitter. It's iPropertyRadio, uh, iProperty or email it's hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Now, Paul McCarthy is uh, in the studio with a CEO and founder of Snapfix. So, Paul, from what I'm gathering, uh, Snapfix is very similar to WhatsApp, but for hotels. Am I right?
4: That's correct, and uh, I'm delighted to be here this afternoon or this evening. Um, yes, Snapfix is the simplest building management solution on the planet. It allows anybody, and it allows building managers and their teams to manage entire buildings, and they use photos as the primary means of communication. So, if you think of WhatsApp, is brilliant for chat. Um, Snapfix is really good for task management, including um, building management.
0: And you're the CEO of, of Snapfix.
4: That's correct. Snapfix.
0: How long have you been in Ireland?
4: How long have I been in Ireland? How long
0: has the, the product Snap! In oh, sorry. It's
1: <laughs> all <laughs> oh, right, Ireland. Paul. Your, your accent I've, gives I've been, it away. I've been in
4: Ireland a very long time. <laughs> I was away for a while, but I've been here a long time. Um, we've been on the go for about two years now in okay. development, okay. and it's been in pilot and and live in the last twelve okay. months. The reason so I
0: ask is I'm just wondering how it's been received now by the hotel industry.
4: It's been really well received in hotels. We're in over 20 hotels at the moment, and I'll give you an example in a in 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 a hotel, for example all of the team will use Snapfix and when anybody at any at any location in the hotel sees an issue they just take a Snapfix photo and the maintenance team can address it very, very quickly and that's very important to hotel managers because it's all about customer experience uh, the guest experience mm-hmm. and the general managers want the issues on SnapFix and not on TripAdvisor, where they can get negative v- reviews. Yes, and things like so this that. is an app, then the staff can use. Correct. It starts yeah. out. There's a little bit more to it um, in the background than, than than an app, but the um, the primary interface is an app.
0: Mm, and is there much cooperation now with the staff in the hotel for this type of...? Uh, there is. There
4: is Lots of people at the moment are using um, WhatsApp, or many many use combination of, um, of post-it notes, texts, emails, phone calls, voicemails. So they like the fact that there's now one location to, mm. to, to use it, and everybody can take a photo. A photo speaks a thousand words, and a photo speaks every language. So in a lot of these hotels where they have a large audience of multilingual staff, it works really, really well for people to be able to communicate using photos very good
1: it's not just hotels you're in though is it
4: no it's not hotels is our is our initial niche to um to prove to prove the concept but we're also working in office buildings apartment buildings factories and also with field service providers this would be men and women in vans driving around servicing their customers
1: very good and where are you in terms of the business so um are you actually in trialing products or are you actually in the marketplace we've
4: actually gone into the marketplace so we're live now with paying customers and 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 we're continually evolving the solution and um, next year we'll be taking it to the UK and to the US
1: very good do you see this as a solution that might be used in the residential sector in terms of apartment blocks
4: absolutely um, an apartment block is very, very similar to a, to, a, to a hotel. The apartments are, are are very are similar to hotel rooms. So a building manager could use it to manage all of the snags or the um, any of the issues happening within each of the apartment blocks. Similarly for office buildings, It does
0: sound like a sort of mass market product, doesn't it?
4: It is. Yeah, we're we're hoping that this will become the um, the WhatsApp for building maintenance globally.
0: And could you adapt it for domestic use as well? Do you think?
4: Absolutely, I use it myself to uh, to snag everything that's still not done in my own house.
0: <laughs> Very good. Well, from from
1: and I look obviously I have a huge interest in Irish prop techs, and one of the things I see is that we've got amazing innovation, but sometimes you have a few people solving problems for the same clients, and if they could just plug in together some way, um. So, are there any solutions on the marketplace that um, maybe? compliment your offering
4: there are, there, are, there are quite a few and um, lots of the technologies are evolving very, very quickly. And everything can you from plug into vir- them? Virtual reality headsets mm. can provide content to Snapfix. Um, there are other solution providers that provide uh, video-based training to hotels, for example, where, where the staff do a little bit of training every day over maybe a 200-day period so that they learn everything about the hotel by incremental training. So we're also uh, looking at partnering with companies like that.
1: Okay, and will you talk to me little bit about the technology behind this
4: um we've architected it for global scale from day one so it's uh, everything is based on an amazon web services server which just happens to be here in in ireland which is fantastic we will have servers in the in in the states and and, and across the world um as the year as the years progress and everything then is built on native um ios apple um and, and native Android, we do that for 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 performance reasons. And is it
1: all web based, or do you have, or sorry, all app based, it's, it's, or it's, do you
4: have a web? It's it's what we call it is a it's a mobile first application. So everything is 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 on the mobile phone first, and we're rolling out a, a website very very shortly. We wanted to make sure we had all the functionality right on the mobile first, and then we're having a a, a website solution for it as well.
1: Okay, so when you say mobile first, though, generally mobile first would mean it's a mobile web solution, but. Is yours an an app available through the App Store? Correct. Have to ask them because it's something that Irish PropTech has been having such a difficulty with and it's come up here before. Did you have difficulty getting it listed in the Apple Store?
4: No, no. I've got a very, very, um, very, very high quality software development team who are experienced in getting apps into the App Stores. So, um...
1: And any lead-in-time delays?
4: It's much faster on Android, on the Google Play Store, because Mm. there are less Mm. checks involved. But Apple does put you through a series of tests. So sometimes we have been delayed, but the delays have been typically a couple of days where they just want to verify that there's nothing unusual in in, in the code. And when we explain exactly what we're doing with... See, we use a lot of um, photos, video capture, and and those technologies, and they want to make sure that everything has been done right.
1: Okay, so say for... Uh, for hotels do they need to like do staff members need to have a certain grade or level of phone in order to to work the app
4: no just like if you think back when you learned to use WhatsApp yourself nobody ever showed you how to use mm. WhatsApp it was intuitive and it was super simple oh no but and I mean the technology
1: of the phones does it need to be uh, a smartphone
4: oh uh, sorry it does need to a, be a, ge- smartphone. a certain
1: a, a certain generation smartphone though as in will any old Samsung or any old will an old iPhone pick it up like. Uh,
4: we have it running on four and five year old iPhones. Anything okay. before that, okay. I'm I'm not sure. There's not too many of them around. We d- we don't yeah. see that as a, a, as an issue.
1: Yeah, no, um, that's great because these are these are the kind of issues that trip up um, technology providers when you're talking about rolling something out across um, uh, a hotel or a commercial building or a property maintenance company or something like that. Um, can you talk to us about the business model?
0: Ah.
4: I can I can for hotels we um, we charge on a per room per room basis. Hotels are very used to um purchasing software and solutions on a per room model. Mm-hmm. And then for buildings and offices it's based on the number of offices and the number of apartments.
1: Fantastic. How has take up been um, in terms of not just the level of take up but I understand pitching new technologies can be difficult especially when there's been such a rise in in innovative solutions at the moment that buyers quite weary so how do you go in and pitch to the to the buyers in a way that your solution is a comprehensive solution
4: um, what we do is we typically when we go into see a new hotel we basically tell them what's happening in, in in another hotel and very often we're referred to to this new hotel so we just explain to them exactly how these other hotels are using it and people get it right away they're looking at they're looking at photos on a screen they're looking at traffic lights red amber and green everybody understands um, both of those and it's we've put a huge amount of effort into simplicity and simplicity is is, is paying off when you show it to people they get it they they don't need any training i've i haven't met most of the users that are that are that are using snapfix and they all just pick it up everybody knows what the photo icon is everyone knows what the video icon is everybody knows what the how a traffic light works and um, it gets adopted so very it's, it's easily part like i references
0: then really that you're working off then is it
4: absolutely it's all it's all by referral at the moment now we will we will have a campaign a, a social media campaign when we start launching it globally but right now it's all by referral so there's
0: no hard call, call calling at all as
4: such no thankfully no
1: back. Well, cold calling in Ireland doesn't work <laughs> I think referral is the only way to do
4: business in Ireland in hospitality me, just, everybody knows you, you each other you did
0: mention Paul at the, at the earlier on that you're uh, going to look at the, uh, the English market and the US yes. market yes. That, that's a very big proposition uh, how do you see yourself going about that?
4: Um, there's a couple of ways a lot of the Irish chains already have um, hotels or, or office buildings or apartment buildings in the UK so oh, that's, that's very, a great market yeah. entry point for that and there are there are partners and um, distributors and service providers who service Hospitality, who service the office sector, who service the residential sector, and we'll be um, partnering with them to, to roll we'll it out see, to their yeah. customers. And is
0: there much competition abroad uh, for that for, for the type of product? You um, have?
4: Thankfully, thankfully, all of the competition at the moment is either too complex, it's um, it's it's too expensive, or too inflexible. Lots of the solutions out there at the moment um, require you to fill out forms. So, for example, if you if you change a light bulb, you don't want to be spending five minutes filling out a form that you've that you've changed the light bulb. So, by taking a photograph. We've uh, we've really reduced the administrative time of using technology to uh, yeah. to support your work.
0: Sure, sure, are there some are there do you have similar products in this country? I mean, are you up against much competition in this country in terms of your um, the
4: app? the biggest one we see in in the market is WhatsApp, and WhatsApp is really great for chat. But that's
0: general purpose, but isn't it's it?
4: General purpose, but that's that's the one we see more than we see anything else. It's, it's it's WhatsApp. It's still very very much paper based. Yeah, I think the sectors have have been poorly served by technology to date, and we're hoping to uh to 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 really address that.
0: I see. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's a lot of potential here in terms of the data that you're capturing mm-hmm. and bringing together for the industry and it's data that maybe previously hasn't been collected except in dusty files uh, you know p- possibly even managed off site so apart from the geographical expansion into the US and latterly the uh, and the UK um have you have you plans to extend the offering in terms of maybe introducing a plan around the data, or how that will be used, and maybe bringing in some form of technology to enhance that, whether it's AI or or machine abs- learning, some form abs- of that.
4: Absolutely, um, the future of this is is around having really smart data and analytics, so that so that hotel managers and building managers can understand exactly what's going on in their buildings and they can predict failures for for the future. Um, the the. Big difference between us and a WhatsApp is that WhatsApp when, when you use WhatsApp for something the data is is owned and used by by Facebook. Whereas this the hotel manager or the building manager will own the data and they can get their own insights from it we will be evolving the technology as the phones get better and as the technologies get better to be Mm -hmm. able to auto-tag locations the GPS locations will be getting better we'll be able to say yes that's in room 27 rather than you saying it's in room 27 and another um, thing we're looking at we're looking at appless apps which are essentially um, using your voice to to create instructions so you don't have to download an app so you could say leaking tap room 27 and it will create a job in in Snapfix so that that's very handy for let's say guests of hotels who may not want to download the app or mm. want to contribute to um, to getting something resolved quickly.
1: That's really interesting especially when you talk about the whole area of predictive maintenance because then you're into massive cost savings. Absolutely. So suddenly then the benefits you're talking about exponential benefits as opposed to maybe moderate time savings or savings in administration. So I, I just wonder um does will this involve you partnering with people who are deploying sensors around uh maybe some of the the plant and machinery within a, a building um will you actually get into that because that's a whole new business so is, uh, sorry, will you partner with somebody who's already in that?
4: Correct we're going to leave leave, leave those providers mm. do what they do best and all we ever want is an alert from those providers or those systems to say to, to when the, an engineer has to address something so you'll have a building management system that will manage all the lighting or the heating but when there is an issue and a, and a and an engineer has to attend to something we'll receive an alert into, into Snapfix so that at least for the maintenance team and the building manager, they have everything in one system.
1: Okay, yeah, look, um, certainly on the construction technology side of it, AI enabled building systems um, for newly developed buildings, but also retrofit for existing buildings. That's the, I won't even say the future of building systems, that's the expected level of building systems now. So uh, we actually had somebody in talking to us about predictive maintenance. In fact, he moved it on to prescriptive maintenance I didn't really understand the difference. But, you know, we, we know that this is an area where um, savings are being made. There's an, there's an environmental benefit. There's a time benefit. There's a, a financial benefit, uh, labour across the building. So will your plan Are are you planning to maybe work with portfolio managers, um, building building managers,
4: is that absolutely we're starting to work we, we've, we've started out with uh, with hotels because they they they're 24/7 they demand high quality and um, and they have a large audience of multilingual staff when we look at apartment buildings they are very very similar to that and and office buildings are exactly the same so we'll be we'll be rolling it across all of those sectors.
1: Right. Paul, how did, you, how did you come to this?
4: Yeah, I uh, my background is in software development, but I and I grew up on a farm in Cork. To answer your question, how long see, have all, I been in farmers, Ireland? The farmers,
1: the farmers come up with the best solutions. <laughs> yeah. I say it all the time.
4: And we've always been involved in the property business. Yeah. So I oh, I was okay. managing a couple of buildings a number of years ago, and I noticed that everybody was losing was using WhatsApp, and WhatsApp was so fantastic for reporting issues to you just, to, the, to the to the manager to the building managers. Correct. So, but it wasn't very good for tracking them to completion. So, was a sort of
0: group sort of thing, was it? Absolutely, I, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and tell me then, you know, in terms of apartments here would the tenant has the option obviously of, of, of opting in on this is
4: it? Or, Correct. Or, okay. Correct. Okay. Well the, the building manager can use it in isolation and when people phone or send a text or whatever he or she can record it in um, in, in Snapfix so this has and of, of course they can yeah, sorry, they can roll sorry. it out to all the tenants as well uh, and and that would be the ideal situation.
0: And just from uh, we've talked to you about hotels uh, is there much of a take up now at the apartment? Or, um, we're starting rent. we're
4: ro- rolling it out now in the apartment yeah. we've been very much focused on hotels and now the uh, the focus for the next quarter will be offices. And I suppose and you're
0: going to uh, management companies in terms of Absolutely. the, of the uh, Absolutely. Uh, I think
4: one interesting area mm-hmm. that I was talking to somebody recently is around um, tenants um, leaving an apartment and getting their deposit back and so that you have a full photographic record of oh. how you entered the apartment and we're leaving it in the exact same condition and we'll get the uh, get the, the deposit back or not as the case may be. Yeah. That's
1: actually a great issue and I can see that it'd be um, a great solution for tenants however I also see it would be a great solution for landlords because Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking if an issue like that goes to the RTB it's found against the landlord and in favour of the tenant so actually this photographic evidence might be exactly the thing so let, thank you so much for joining us Paul thank I you very much I look forward to watching how Snapfix rolls out across the market and, and to see how you progress so Paul thank you so much for joining us that was Paul McCarthy CEO and founder of Snapfix and actually as we were speaking to Paul it reminded me of course that CETA the Construction IT Alliance is hosting an event it's a free event in the morning from 8am or possibly 8.30 please check the website and um, down at Grand Canal Dock and it will be looking at AI-enabled building systems. So that's a free event down in Grand Canal Dock tomorrow, Wednesday morning. And in the meantime, uh, thank you to all of our guests who are in studio today. Thank you, Brian. And also thank you to Shane Flynn on sound and Katie Talon, our producer. Next up, Ball of Soul. <laughs>